Communications disruption can mean only one thing. This is Jam Transmissions, a Star Wars podcast. Welcome everybody to episode 24 of Jam Transmissions, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Peter Viox, joined today by my two stellar co-hosts. Joshua Rowe and Eden Gray. How are we doing, guys? Uh, back with the analogies. Yeah, That's cool. I know. I, I feel I feel a lot better about it now. <laughs> so what's up? How are we doing? Good. We're we're doing great. What sort of uh Star Wars stuff have you guys been up to this week? We had a uh, Star Wars Day. We always say it's Star Wars Day when we record, but we had legit May the Fourth <laughs> Star Wars Day this past weekend. <laughs> What'd you all get into? Um, it, we went to the comic shop and got free comics, of course, because it's Free Comic Book Day, and I got a vintage Naboo Starfighter snap together figure that I'm very excited about. Cool. Yeah. That is pretty cool. I haven't seen those model kits in a while. I've I've never seen them. So when I saw it, I, it was like tucked behind a bunch of other things and I could only see like half of the box, but I knew it was a Naboo Starfighter. And so I knew that I had to have it, whether it was a figure or a model or whatever. And then <laughs> I grabbed it and it was, it's already painted and it's shiny and beautiful and it is now mine. Good deal. What about you, Josh? We also went out to enjoy Star Wars Day, um, the bigger version. We went to uh, North Lime Coffee and Donuts on Clay's Mill. No, we actually went to the Oh, you Limestone. went to the other one. Nice. Yeah. I love that place. We, Did they have a Star Wars themed donut? No, actually. They, they really. Actually, m- they ran out. They were Jar Jar oh, Sprinks. Uh, it was a chocolate donut with sprinkled stuff see they're yeah. so good they're so good the donuts are awesome but yeah. they had a blue bantha milk uh like a iced coffee drink that we both got that's so cool yep was, um, it, was it good yeah it was really good i got mine with blueberry so that was a little weird yeah but um without totally good hmm. uh, i bought four series worth of comics full we're all up to date on every story that's out right now that's awesome man yeah it's a lot of money Yes. And I got the Slave One 20th anniversary, just like uh, somebody else over here. Woo-woo. Yeah, nice. It's it's funny that you say that. I got the exact same one. Uh, we went out, uh, I think, the night before mm-hmm. um, because Eden and I had planned to hang out and build some Legos. And um, my I, I ordered one from Amazon and it didn't show up. I ordered a Kylo Ren's TIE Fighter. Oh. And um, it just didn't show up on time. That so sucks. I said, well, I mean, I'm... I need to build Legos today. I was planning <laughs> on it without the set of Legos. I'm lost. <laughs> um, so I went out and there it was the slave one, uh, classic 20th anniversary edition of it. And instant buy. Where'd you go? Uh, target. Oh yeah. Yeah. Barnes and Noble. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. That's just a really long way to go on a Friday night. Dude. I was already there. Yeah. yeah. It's on the other side of town for us. So. Uh, it is. Oh yeah. Lexington not going out is there. not that big, but Man, it takes a while to get across town. Spiderweb. I mean, you live on one yeah. strand of it. 
But um, aside from that, I also uh, stocked up on, I think I bought eight more episode one figures. Um, yeah. So they were I, buy I, one, get one free. Buy one, get one half off. Okay. Really? Close enough. Yeah. Yeah. But they had like uh, four different battle droids, mm-hmm. uh, the different paint mock-ups and, and that, and uh, R2-D2 we picked up and two A Watto. Yeah. The Watto was sweet. And you also got two malls, didn't you? Yeah. And the two malls. So, um, going to start making a big line across, uh, well, just take over an entire wall of the bedroom of three and three quarter inch figures. Could you imagine like all the battle droids, if you get like multiple and stack them up oh, yeah. and form it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You need, I think about it every day. <laughs> you're doing it. <laughs> We're doing this thing. One cool. Paycheck so, at a time. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so before we jump into anything else, there is a little piece of news that, uh, wanted to talk about something that really hits close to home for me. Uh, we lost our beloved Peter Mayhew. Yeah. And uh, we found out uh, May the 2nd, he passed away on April the 30th. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to sound cold hearted, but typically like celebrity deaths um, do not impact me at all in yeah. a way. But, um, you know, I got to say, when Peter Mayhew passed away, like we're talking about my favorite Star Wars character, uh, Chewbacca. And I was, I, I handled death surprisingly well, huh. man. It shocked me, man. I was super emotional. Like mm-hmm. I was losing sleep over it. Like it's crazy. Yeah. So what do you guys think about Peter Mayhew and his contributions to not only just the Star Wars acting universe, but also the fandom? Have any of you guys met him before? I have not met him and I will not meet him, but for as far as an ambassador to just the fandom, God, the guy was everywhere. And from the stories and interactions of people I know who've met him, sweet, uh, humble, and very uh, beautiful human beings, what I've been told. And I'm kind of missing out. Absolutely true, man. Um, I met him six years ago last month. And um, man, oh, man. It was just everything that you said. It's just like you sit down and talk to him for a second. And it's like, you've known him your whole life. He's one of those people. And, um, he just made me feel it was, it was like one of my first, um, conventions that I went to, um, and actually stood in line to meet people and get autographs and stuff like that. And it, so I was obviously really nervous, but as soon as I started talking to my childhood favorite star Wars actor, man, it was, it was super special, but yeah, like a lot of podcasts have, uh, Give him very good tributes. There are lots of tributes on um, uh, social media from actors who knew him and fans. A lot of uh, beautiful outpouring. But man, yeah. I've had, I had to turn them all off and skip ahead. And I think I can't even really say too much more about it now. Uh, Peter Mayhew, you're one with the force now. We love you before and we will always love you. No one is ever really gone. Mm-hmm. So moving on, we're going to go ahead and hop in to a little thing we like to call. Goblin Chatter! You must contact me. So this week we got our first voicemail from our buddy Jeff Kelts. And uh, he's always a huge supporter of the show and always has lots of great input, and especially on like on the music episodes and stuff. So looking forward to hearing what you have to say here, buddy. Pete and Josh, my dudes, what's up? Just thought I'd leave your recording. Don't really have any topic to talk about. Just uh, wanted to chime in and say how much I enjoy your podcast. 
Um, it's right up there, you know, with uh, one of my two favorites. Uh, I don't know if you know the guys over, you know, from the Great White North up there in Canada, the Tumbling Saber Crew. Uh, that podcast and yours are pretty much my two go-to ones right now, and uh, I just love the, you know, the way you guys uh, do your thing. You know, you're very relatable, and I feel like I just kind of like rap with you, rap with you dudes all day long about Star Wars, man. You kind of have some common interest, you know, with me as far as music and movies, Star Wars. But, uh, yeah, just a, you know, hey, man, just a big old thank you. Uh, and uh, what I really appreciate about your podcast is how you do the comlink chatter right at the beginning. You know, you kind of, all of your listeners, you, you give, a, give us, you know, give us a chance to get our thoughts out there right away. And, uh, you know, no other podcast really does that. And that's really kind of something kind of neat and special. So I just wanted to give you a, you know, a shout out for that. And, uh, hey, man. A Darth Vader episode. I was digging that one. Got a little uh, Harvester of Sorrow playing here in the background. That was a song I kind of contribute to as uh, my take on Darth Vader. But I was thinking, no, what What do you guys think about some other deep dives? I love it when you guys do this because uh, a lot of podcasts might go over just kind of news and stuff. But you guys kind of dig deep into characters, you know, and that's what really uh, kind of intrigues me. You know, a little bit different than other podcasts. So what do you think about a Kylo Ren deep dive? I mean, can you imagine uh, the takes uh, some people could have on that as far as, uh, especially music. Oh, my goodness. I can just, I, can, I have to give you like a top 20 as far as songs that would inspire me about Kylo Ren. <laughs> but, hey, guys, uh, just want to chime in and say you guys are doing awesome. Can't wait for each episode every week and uh, proud to be a Patreon of your show. So keep it up, guys. And uh, this is Jeff Keltz, a.k.a. The Metal Mando on Twitter. And... Rock on, dudes. Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks a lot, Jeff. That was wonderful. Good to hear. That yeah, was, as soon as I, so I heard good. Metallica, I was like, oh, hell yeah. I know it started <laughs> The out, Metal like, Mando is here. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, let's see. He mentioned Tumbling Saber before. Thank you for that recommendation. I had not listened to them before. Oh, the, yeah. I'm going to have to look them up for sure. Yeah. I checked out the last two episodes on my commute hmm. this week, and yeah, it's good stuff, man. I, they seem like real cool dudes. What do you guys think about uh, his suggestion of a Kylo Ren deep dive? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think we should do a Poe Dameron episode, too. I have a lot to read before then. Um, definitely. What do you think, Josh? I'm up for it. Because um, it'll actually kind of be fun. Like, we talked about it with everything we do. We can always revisit and be like, oh, yeah, we screwed up. We were wrong about this. And it just so <laughs> happened to be the Metal Mando who was like, Let's try this email again. <laughs> yeah, we, we've screwed up on it on one of, one of Jeff's emails before about Palpatine. Yeah, um, I'm totally down with that. It, it, you mentioned Poe Dameron, Eden. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's the same situation. I, we're going to learn so much more about him, and it's going to change the way that we see what we know of him already mm-hmm. once yeah. Yeah. You know, and, the rise of Skywalker yeah. comes out. And I would out. love to talk about when I first saw The Force Awakens and what I thought about Poe, because... 100% different. Like I it's a complete flop around um from what I originally thought of him or originally didn't like. So I could probably talk for a whole hour just myself about Poe Dameron at this point. <laughs> I feel the exact same feelings towards Kylo Ren. Yeah. I yeah, hated me too. that little bastard in, <laughs> yeah. the, in the Force Awakens. And then um you know Last Jedi made him like multidimensional. Yeah. Finally. Yeah, so I really am looking forward to seeing where he's going, especially 
Um, in that trailer, we see that the mask is being remade. So not to get too deep on this trailer again, but I noticed something in a little frame by frame because I just can't stop doing that now. <laughs> um, Until the next one. The hands that are putting the helmet back together yeah. are weird. Yeah. They are not. Well, unless Kylo Ren has like feathery accent bracelets. Right. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I mean, he just doesn't seem like the kind of guy that's going to like change his outfit. And if he does, it's it's going to be like Ray changing her outfit and it's just going to be the exact same thing, but slightly question, different texture. Right. Question who would put Kylo Ren's helmet back together if not Ben Solo? Yeah, I really don't know. The only thing I can think <laughs> of is, is like if, if Poe or Finn had something like that that they needed to fix, they would probably go to somebody like Maz Kanata. So, like, is there someone like Maz Kanata for for the First Order? <laughs> and who would that be? And heck yeah, I want to meet them. That sounds awesome. It's Tam. Oh, my God. <laughs> what if it's Tam? <laughs> Tam can fix anything. I'm speechless right oh, now. <laughs> we need to move on. I can't even. Can't even. No. So thanks a lot, Jeff. Like, um, honestly, I love those music questions that we ask on the two deep dives that we've done so far. I want to keep that going. Yeah. Because it, it, like we kept saying, it just changes the way that you look at characters. It, it needs to be a mainstay. And I think it kind of gets people thinking, too, about like, well, what, what, what do they mean to me? You know, if I'm only picking like one song or yeah. two, um, God, what? what defines that character. And then they start looking into things and we also get more feedback, not just from um, the music, but we get little side comments and emails and it's fun just to see the thought process that goes into it. And it's I have truly to say, awesome. um, what, what Jeff said about the comic chatter and how you guys have it at the beginning. And it seems like, I mean, he's totally right. And it's really cool. And in a lot of other podcasts, the, the questions just aren't, they're not the same. So like part of it, part of the reason why you guys put a, such a big emphasis on it, I feel like is because you get such quality feedback. Like people have really insightful questions, really meaningful, really relevant. Dude, our listeners really interesting. kick ass. Yeah, yeah. Like they yeah. have good to say. And frankly, on most other podcasts I listen to, I turn it off when they get to questions at the end because the questions are interesting. And like the, the, feedback isn't interesting and that never happens with you guys right on well well thank you to our listeners you guys yeah. rock yeah and um yeah jeff much appreciated for your your patronage as well on patreon man you are so awesome and appreciated so we do have some other com link chatter but it's actually going to be uh relative to our uh, main topic tonight which is going to be claudia gray's master and apprentice um, but if you are here and you have not listened or, or read or w basically However taken big. in <laughs> the, yeah. the uh, Master and Apprentice book, uh, we will give you ample spoiler warning when it's going to happen. Yep. So before we hop into that, we do have a little bit of cool news that started popping up this week. I wanted to start with the uh, journey to the Rise of Skywalker publishing program. I'm so excited. I've been thinking about this so much and I... I was I I thought maybe they would announce it at Celebration or before and we we've been getting books but they haven't really been about the new movie and I kept thinking about Journey to the Force Awakens and Journey to the Last Jedi and when am I going to get my Journey to the Rise of Skywalker and then they released it and it 
it's amazing and perfect. I'm so excited for every single thing. Yeah, it all looks really good. Like a lot of the stuff is coming in the fall, it looks like. I know. Why do I have to right wait up. so long? First week of October all the way yeah. up to uh, the, what, movie. the 19th. Dude, fall is going to be There's so sweet, especially ah. in November yeah. with you know Disney so Plus and, and the Jedi Fallen Order video game. So let's uh, let's take a look at some of these books real quick. We got um, Resistance Reborn. Resistance Reborn. Let's talk Re- about that first. Yeah, by Rebecca Roanhorse, and this is an adult novel. Yeah, um, I've looked at some of her other uh, adult sci-fi, and it looks really, <laughs> really kick-ass. Yeah, so it looks like it's about Poe and uh, Leia, Ray, and Finn. It says they must struggle to rebuild the resistance after their defeat at the hands of the first order in star Wars, the last Jedi. So it looks like it's going to be picking up the pieces and filling in that gap that we learned about that got confirmed at a star Wars celebration. So there's, there's plenty of room, plenty of story to be told. And that's coming out on the 12th of November this year. It's far too long from now. So Kevin Shinnick's got force collector coming out on the 19th of November, which is seven days after, uh, Disney Plus, Plus. right? It's the 12th, right? Mm -hmm. So um, this looks like a young um, Ben Solo, right? Is that what you're getting? Because it's got like the same outfit and all that crap with the black bandage. The the arms arms. look the same. And the nose and the hair is kind of wafty like he was when he's looking at Luke. Like Hmm. this could be directly after... Just from what I've seen on Twitter, I don't think it's any character that we know. I think it's definitely a new character that we haven't met yet. Um, Let me read this description. But it is a little strange that they haven't named the character in yeah, the they, description. They call it a restless teenager. And he says it sets out to discover what connection his mysterious force powers have to the fabled Jedi and what the force has in store for him. Now, that's that's an interesting sentence. It could still be about Ben. It could. Yeah. But... Um, I'm calling it though. It's it's not. It's new character. Yeah, we'll I think a, we'll I think get a it full is too. Soon. I mean, look, he looks kind of like he's a scavenger, a la Ray. Mm-hmm. That um, lightsaber though is pretty close. It's a pretty sweet lightsaber. Oh yeah, there's all kinds of stuff. Yeah, Stormtrooper like helmet cover is awesome. There's a ton of detail in all of these covers. They're so good. I mean, except for the Star Wars Allegiance one because they haven't released the cover yet. Come on, Del Rey. Stop. Or Marvel. What is this? <laughs> it's Marvel. Oh, this one's a comic. So of course the cover isn't yeah. done yet. It's yep. a four-part um, run. Well, it was a miniseries, right? Is what mm-hmm. they're calling it. Uh, which is awesome because Ethan Sachs is going to uh, write it for us. Yeah, and then we get Luke Ross doing yeah. the art. We love Luke Ross. He's awesome. Age of uh, Republic. God, I'm stuck on Rebellion now, which yeah. I didn't think I'd ever get over that. The Age of Republic comics were amazing. I loved his artwork in those. and feels like he did about one third of those. And if we, not more, honestly. We couldn't say enough about it in our our coverage of that, for sure. Let's see. What, what is this about? It is on the run since the destruction of the Starkiller base. General Leia and the remaining handful of resistance have barely managed to survive, much less strike back against the superior forces of the First Order. Running low on options, Leia decides to reach out to her former allies, the Mon Calamari, whose shipyards once powered the Rebel Alliance. Uh, First issue, and it looks like it's going to be weekly from October 9th all the way up to October 30th. Sweet. Four issues. Sweet. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Mon calls. Yeah. So we've got um, 
a we, plethora of kids books coming out. Yeah, the world of reading like level 2 books and stuff like that. I'm mm. I'm most excited about the Finn and Poe choose your own destiny adventure. You know what? Me too. Oh my gosh, with BBA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I used to love choose your own adventure books as a kid. Same. And I'm sure that I'm going to love getting all 20 endings on this this children's <laughs> book. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. All right, so the uh, the next one is The Spark of the Resistance by uh, Justina Ireland. And this is another middle grade novel, uh, which a lot of the Force Awakens Journey 2 books were middle grade yeah. novels. And they're, they're all good. Uh, let's see. Um, when a distress plea goes up from the isolated planet Minfar, Resistance heroes Ray, Poe, and Rose hear the call. Together they will face down the First Order Battalion, terrifying flying creatures, and a weapon that could change the course of the war. So I'm most excited for this one. It sounds like a great, fun adventure, but also Ray and Rose go on an adventure with Finn. Like, how is he going to contain himself? Like, is he going to be okay? <laughs> well, he did say it's a love pentagon, so he's, his thoughts are going to be elsewhere as well. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. <laughs> I can't wait to find out. You don't remember him saying that at Celebration? Oh my God. <laughs> um, Let's throw well BB-8 in there, too. It oh, works. Jesus <laughs> um. Star Wars Adventures again. Those have been fun. Me and Parker have been reading those. That's awesome. I yeah. um I have not picked them up because they looked a little too cartoony for they my are taste. Very cartoony. So I did pick up. Kids. I did pick up the free comic book day one. Mm-hmm. I just haven't gotten around to reading it yet. They're okay. Um, for there's children, so, they're great. So many more. So the books in yeah, this there's list. all there's all kinds of other things like pop up <laughs> books and stuff like that. That sounds awesome, by the way. Yeah. You followed out to a completely three-dimensional display piece. You change it up yeah. like every week. That would no, be kind of cool. No, I think cool. it actually like opens up to a full. Oh, like a, like a whole a full dior- world. Yeah, neat. Like, yeah, yeah, a three-dimensional diorama is what it is. That's pretty sweet. So that's just the art. Sounds of paper. expensive. <laughs> it's probably gonna be. So the only other thing on this list of this programming that really caught my attention was the art of the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Um, at Celebration, I finally caved and bought the uh, art to The Force Awakens and the art to The Last Jedi, mm-hmm. which I am so excited about that I actually have them. I see you looking around the library. They are on my living room mantle right now. <laughs> that's how. What the exci- hell, dude? That's how excited I am about I them. I'm going to grab one off the shelf. Yeah. So I will, I'll show you this. At, show them to you after the episode for sure. <laughs> So, yeah, that's quite a bit of news right there. I'm looking forward to the art of uh, Rebels. Yes, that's another one. Yeah, for sure. So there is before we hop into the meat of the show, um, we do have a little bit more news, and that's a big announcement from Lucasfilm. Now, I don't know the original source of this, but I first read this from Anthony Bresnikin, the Brez and Entertainment Weekly. Lucasfilm is quote unquote pausing three years, no new film until December, 2022 and then 2024 and then 2026. Didn't give us anybody who was making it. Um, nothing other than just three films in three years, two years apart in sequence. Right. And so if we take what we do know, we know that we've got the Benioff and Weiss, mm-hmm. um, We've also got the Ryan Johnson trilogy. Yep. Now here's the question. Do they like overlap each other? One come out two years later, the next give yourself um, three to four years in between releases, kind of like classic star Wars releases. Good. 
Yeah, but with today's tech and stuff, it's it it's not needed as much. You know what I mean? It's not needed, but you know what's also like leapfrogging this is the Avatar releases and like what was that 2007 when the last one came out? <laughs> Your skin watch, tell you that? <laughs> yeah, I, love, I, I do the same thing. I always look at the watch that's not there. Um, it could be good. It could be time for them to make it perfect, but how? As far as marketing, you've got two different stories coming out together, you know? Is this a Marvel idea? But they're all leading up to the same thing, you know what I mean? With all the Avengers movies and all the character-based movies that were coming out. They're all different, but they're all in the same universe happening at the same time. It's interesting that you say that. Um, So a lot of people have speculated, myself included, that the Benioff and Weiss after they're closing up Game of Thrones, they're going to go way back to the Old mm-hmm. Republic, like way, way, way back. Which is good because they're doing that fantasy kind of era stuff very well. Yeah. I would love to see that. Now, we that's just more. speculation. Um, Ryan Johnson, we've also talked about um, how we hope that it goes into wild space, the unknown regions, because it has been touted as having characters and planets locations that we have never seen before. Exactly. So one other thing from this article I do want to point out. Um, from the Brez, it says it's not clear whether those three films over over six years would be the entire saga from one of those teams or an alternating schedule. They may also be more closely closely related than the fans originally expected. And here is a quote from Kathleen Kennedy: As they finish Game of Thrones, they're going to segue into Star Wars. Speaking of Benioff and Weiss, they're working very closely with Ryan. How about that? So we could get um, Chiss Wild Space a thousand years or more. Assuming ago. assuming that our timeline speculation is correct. Yeah. And they could be working close together. But that's exciting. Well, I mean, who gives a shit? I just want to know more about the Chiss, really. <laughs> that's it. I'm, I'm just happy with that. Um, Dave Filoni has a responsibility to me to answer where the hell's Ezra. He needs to get on that. Agreed. Within Okay, so we got what? Three years and then six movies, so he has two years apart, right? So there's six years plus three, and there's nine years. He's got ten years to get this shit out. But he's working on Mandalorian. No, I don't care he's, what he's working doing. on Resistance. Now, John Favreau is working on Mandalorian. Dave Filoni's just kind of guiding, I think, on that one. Well, he's directing the first episode. Okay, one episode out of a series. Oh, dude. Come on. Dave Filoni's no, got his so, fingers in everything. He's so involved with Mandalorian. Oh, yeah. He's part of the Lucasfilm Story Group. Yeah. He trumps Favreau all day. But he can just say, hey, he does. I want it. To, I just kind of want to go over here <laughs> and then do whatever he needs to do. And John Favreau's is very accomplished. Hey, man, take dude, it. And dude, now that he has that little doll of himself that he carries around. Dave Filoni. Yeah. <laughs> so there's two people in the trust tree. Big Dave and little Dave. <laughs> Did I get tell you guys the story about how I got to meet a guy in the trust tree at Star Wars Celebration? But did he tell you anything? He did not tell me anything, but mm-hmm. he took my picture and video, and I felt very special um, because I was standing in line for the Rebels panel to ask Dave Filoni a question. The girls in front of me were the ones that gave him the doll, um, and then that was that was the last question. And Amy Radcliffe said she had to, she felt so bad about having to cut me off because she'd been looking at my little wolf costume, and like, but she had to, and so I just stood there sadly. And this guy came over and I, I literally stood there for like 30 seconds. Like everyone was, was packing it by in the room. Everybody was off the stage. And I'm like, well, Dave Filoni's never going to see my loath wolf. What do I do? 
And then this guy came over with a camera and he said, can I take some pictures, get a little video of your costume? It's fantastic. And I said, yes, thank you. I just really wanted Dave to see my costume. That's all I really wanted. I don't even know if he saw it. And the guy said, I'm sure he did. And I said, I don't know. (laughs) And he said, don't worry. I'll make sure he sees it. I'm in the trust tree. And I said, what? He said, yeah, I do editing on all the animation. I'm just here recording video for fun. I was like, oh, thank you, sir. And then he did some video and then I hugged him and then I came back. You know, even if he's not in the trust tree, there is a happy ending to this story because soon after that, that Rebels panel, we hightailed it. We got real lost in all the skywalks because Lexington is far smaller than Chicago. (laughs) (laughs) We're just not used to it. (laughs) Um, and we went to the Ahsoka meetup, right? Yes, we uh, went thrown to together Wednesday. by our friend uh, Jonah Marie mm-hmm. and uh, Amy Ratcliffe and Ashley Eckstein. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, just and that one. Dave Filoni pops out, and <laughs> um, everybody just like swarms af- into him, like, and then they had security and stuff. And after a while, I was just like, "Is this is this what it's always like for Dave? Man, he's he's suck. a freaking rock star. He man. is a rock star of the Star Wars world, and so many yeah. people have no idea." But I got to like sneak my way through the crowd because I was wearing a gigantic costume that yeah. took up a lot of space. And he got to see it and he signed my staff and I was so happy. Yeah, luckily I'm six foot four and I was <laughs> I was a few people behind and I was able to snap a real cool photo of that. So we'll share that later. I don't think we've shared that. So Is it time to talk about Master and Apprentice? It is. Finally. Yeah, yeah. So we got we got all the news out of the way for this week. So the spoiler free version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why don't you start, Josh? It was a really good book. <laughs> I liked it. Claudia Gray wrote it. Uh, dude, it has changed my... Uh, oh, I got real serious. It's changed my view of who I thought Qui-Gon was. I like the uh, dynamics that you get to see between him and Obi-Wan and the light that she painted the council in was a very interesting choice. And that's as far as I want to take this spoiler-free version. Uh, score out of 10. For author? Uh, for the book. Nine and a half. For the book? Ooh, two scores. Um, Wait, you can do that? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing it. Hey, I'm, he, it's, it's our podcast. He, I'm yeah, ranking yeah, the worlds. Yeah. So... Uh, <laughs> Out of the scores I'm going to give would be 10 as far as what it gave me as uh, uh, like extra information and um, the ability for it to change my viewpoints on the force. And so the book's impact on you and your Star Wars fandom. Maybe not that heavy, but yeah, close. Okay. 10. Um, As far as it was um, taking it down points in the, uh, the audio book because ooh. ooh yeah i'm just everybody just take a second here since this is a positive podcast to say one nice thing about the audio version so the audio version was actually <laughs> it was good it was good um jonathan davis's narration i love it you know on some books that they throw in extra authors probably could have helped on this one extra voice actors mm-hmm. i will say yeah, that i really liked what the hell i really liked the way that um he performed Qui-Gon very much. And I also really enjoyed his Obi-Wan. Uh, yeah. Not imitation, but I guess it is. Impersonation. Impersonation. Yeah. I think it's okay. Sort of I didn't listen to the audiobook. Um, <laughs> you did? So I did not. You did not. I kept meaning to just, you know, play a little bit of it just so I could get a feel for how it was read. But I started reading some Vader comics and then didn't ever get to listen to it. But right I will on. eventually. 
Now, Eden, mm-hmm. what is your spoiler-free opinion of the book? I was really impressed. So not just that I liked it. I was really impressed. Um, she liked it, liked it. But it's Claudia Gray. So, of course, I'm impressed. Like, yeah. I feel like her other Star Wars novel, Lost Stars, is probably the most well-known and highly regarded book in the new Star Wars canon. And this one is quickly overtaking it um, to be the same thing as more people read it and more people find out about it. Mm. It's just so well done. Um, I loved the characterization. I loved how she wrote Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. I loved their dialogue. I loved all their quotes. I highlighted so many quotes in that ebook that each of them said because they were so perfect um, and just made me love the characters even more. Um the plot, I I feel like I learned some things, but I didn't. But like I learned more about the characters, and honestly, Claudia Gray could have she could have written about them going to a Minoc roast in Ardenia, and I would have like been glued to every word. It's nuts. <laughs> it did. <laughs> nice one. Um, it it doesn't matter what. It did not matter to me what was happening in in each chapter. I really didn't care. Uh, so spoiler free. It's fantastic. Out of 10? 10 out of 10. Cool. I really like the book as well. Um, I only listened to it one time, and I have not listened to it um, in at least a half a week since. So, yeah. Nor have I had too much time to mull over it. So, I'm looking forward to this conversation for sure. I think I'm going to give it, you know, honestly, I, I'm going to give it between 8 and 9 out of 10. Eight, would that be an 8.5 or an 8.7 or an 8.8? Eight and a half between nine. All right. So we'll what call I it eight and three quarters. What I really want to know is who, which of you is going to read the the jacket description, the summary, because how the hell do you say the main character's name? That that's not quite Qui Gon. How do <laughs> the other guy Rail the cowboy Jedi? Oh, uh, the audio version said Rail Avaros. Rail Avaros. Yep. Okay. Rail, isn't it? Is it spelled R A E L? Yes. Yeah, Rail. I would have said Ryle. Oh, I'm just having flashbacks to uh, the time I told Timothy Zahn. It's like Jorus Kabouth. <laughs> Token the hell out of that. Mithra Nuroldo. Yeah. So, anyways, go ahead and read this jacket summary for us. An unexpected offer threatens the bond between Qui Gon Jinn and Obi Wan Kenobi as the two Jedi navigate a dangerous new planet and an uncertain future. I just now noticed that this goes from black to blue. I like that. It's neat. A Jedi must be a fearless warrior, a guardian of justice, and a scholar in the ways of the Force. But perhaps a Jedi's most essential duty is to pass on what they have learned. Master Yoda trained Dooku, Dooku trained Qui-Gon Jinn, and now Qui-Gon has a Padawan of his own. But while Qui-Gon has faced all manner of threats and danger as a Jedi, nothing has ever scared him, scared him like the thought of failing as apprentice. Obi-Wan Kenobi has deep respect for his master, but struggles to understand him. Why must Qui-Gon so often disregard the laws that bind the Jedi? Why is Qui-Gon drawn to ancient Jedi prophecies instead of more practical concerns? And why wasn't Obi-Wan told that Qui-Gon is considering an invitation to join the Jedi Council, knowing it would mean the end of their partnership? The simple answer scares him. Obi-Wan has failed his master. When Jedi Rail Alvaros Another former student of Dooku requests their assistance with a political dispute. Jin and Kenobi travel to the royal court of Pajal for what may be their final mission together. What should be a simple assignment quickly becomes clouded by deceit and by visions of violent disaster that take hold in Qui-Gon's mind. 
As Qui-Gon's faith in prophecy grows, Obi-Wan's faith in him tested. Just as a threat surfaces that will demand the master and apprentice come together as never before or be divided forever. Cool. So that's that. And here is your final spoiler warning. If you guys do not want to get spoiled on master and apprentice, now is the time to pause it and come back to the show another time. But if you're like, um, shall I say shadow clone (laughs) and you want to be spoiled on everything. Calling you out, fool. Nah, I love it's him. Okay. He's, he's fine. But man, he does not care about spoilers. It's his choice. Well, so, let yeah. that shit happen to me, though. <laughs> hey, he knows what that's about. Just keep listening. So who wants to start? Um, so I, I said that it changed my way, my viewpoint. So there's a lot of prophecies in here. And <laughs> I just like, I wonder if he's going to bring up prophecies that immediately. That was a big thing. But, <laughs> and, but didn't well, we I want to get to them later. Yes. <laughs> God, yeah, I kind of threw everybody off with that one. My bad. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> no. wait, are we doing this thing the, now? The reason that what we're we laughing. <laughs> I'm so confused. The reason that we're laughing about this is because before the show, we are like, let's try and save the prophecies for a little bit later after no. the conversation. Peter, Peter asked, do you think we'll be able to go back and talk about the rest of the book after we start talking about the prophecies? And Josh and I said simultaneously, no. <laughs> it happened. So with that on the back burner, what really um, caught my interest is the relationship between Qui-Gon Jinn and Rail Avaros and who Rail Avaros was. And, and for me, Qui-Gon was like such an unorthodox uh, Jedi that he, um, he, he never really fit. And we knew that he was never on the council. We didn't know that he had an invite right. that, well, yeah, this is spoiler free, that he turned down. Right. So... That's even more of a slap in the face to the council, I think. Even though they said they didn't take it that way. God, Yoda. Um, Yoda's kind of a dick in this thing, in this book. He's, he's just honest. You're not yeah. good for the city council. I don't want you on the council. And you'll you'll soon learn that you also don't want to be on the council. So don't join the fucking council, Qui-Gon. Let me ask you a real quick question, if you don't yeah. mind, in relation to that. Um, there was a point where Qui-Gon thought that he had a pretty good idea of why Yoda didn't want him on the council and it was about zealotry. Mm-hmm. Like they thought that it was like straight up fanaticism in Qui-Gon's life based on the things that we were talking about before with the prophecies and his mm-hmm. obsessions with them. Do you think that that's uh, how the, the actual reason why he didn't want him on the council for his, for what Yoda, I believe saw what was going on in Yoda's perspective, his point of view. Yes, I believe he felt Qui-Gon was a little um, out of touch. Fast forward to the end of Clone Wars, guess who was actually a little more correct? Yeah. Qui-Gon was now the master and Yoda was the apprentice. And the path of the living force was the truest, most untainted path of all, perhaps from a certain point of view. uh, Going back to our Age of Republic comics, the Qui-Gon comic, at the very end, he's talking with Yoda. And we get this um, almost like when you screw up at, say, work or wherever, but you didn't you didn't screw up. It was just perceived that somebody else has that perception of your mistake. And you knew that what you did was right. And they're as a supervisor, say they're hounding you like you messed up that kind of that relationship there. That's kind of what happens. Like you just bite your tongue and say, yeah, okay. Mm hmm. Um, I believe Qui-Gon knew how to find balance, obviously. Um, 
the way Claudia Gray painted the council in this book was very um, churchy. We'll say churchy. Yeah, I mean, the the more Star Wars canon that I consume, the more I see the Jedi Order portrayed as specifically as a religion with religious terms. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that that's how Luke Skywalker Mm -hmm. started to refer to it in The Last Jedi. I'm the last of the Jedi religion. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a quote in the book that says, from Obi-Wan, I think, isn't it? Is the council says, so as Yoda goes... As Yoda goes, so, so the goes council the council. Go. Just it reeked of um, Roman Catholicism and its most negative aspects. I think is you have this master, uh, the Grand Master, and no matter what everybody else feels, hey, he's been here the longest. Obviously, he knows what's going on. We're just gonna like they're abandoning individualism and what the Force may be telling them to do. And they're going with the more seasoned person. No, not like a stab to the religion or anything. It's just they have that um, that hierarchy. They've yeah. got you have the pope, and then you've got like grand cardinals and stuff. And there's it's a very easy um, real life segue from the council to as far as a religious aspect. I think everybody knows how the Catholic Church works. Is that you have one, and then you've got a council below that, and then you've got everybody else who kind of does everything in their peacekeeping ways, trying to find their way to God. Um, they're trying to find their ways to the Force and a better relationship with the Force, like um, every Catholic should find their true uh, relationship with God. So that, to me, was just a natural comparison. And interestingly enough, like uh, certain paths to God may not work well with other paths to God Yeah, in a way. So like the way that Yoda and the council agrees is the path to the force. Yeah. You've got somebody talking about the living force and like living and breathing by these prophecies. Well, then that's just pretty much uh heresy. Exactly. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes from the book. I like it. Um, was from around the middle of the book. I think it said Qui-Gon had often felt out of step with the order as a whole but never to this degree. He had also never felt this close to the force. And so there's that, that divide there where he feels more himself and more in tune with the force than ever, but further from his fellow Jedi than ever before at the same time. So like a person who is a believer in any religion would not go in the ways of the church but they feel more yeah passionate about their mm-hmm. spirituality yeah. yes so we have the living force and then you've got the cosmic force and i think that's what everybody was trying to get to is not just the living force but i think the council seemed more mindful of getting to the hereafter and what the cosmic force was i don't they never really seemed so concerned with what the living force is they kind of just get almost took it for granted. Like it's just, there it is. It's really funny because you've always got people like, um, Qui-Gon telling his Padawans, whether it's, you know, Obi-Wan or even when he just met young Anakin Mm -hmm. feel, don't think, but you have a direct contrast to the other master saying, think, don't Don't feel, don't feel, don't Don't follow your emotions. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting. It's very contrasting. 
I was so I I grew, I grew up very religious in a religious family, and, and to me that was such a battle of trying to find it. And we're getting on religion a lot. And I'm sorry, but um, it was it never hit with me. It never took. But as I got older, I saw that more of say what the council would be doing is don't feel but think. And here's your outline for who you're supposed to be. This is what you are. You're kind of like preaching to the masses. And then you've got these outliers that, okay, I get that concept. I need more. You know what I mean? It's not just yeah. the average person. He's he's an above average Jedi. He's above average force user. So he was, he's already got the basis stuff. Um, I think they were too worried about getting the milk out there to everyone and not the meat of what the force was. And they kind of got complacent. That's good stuff. And yeah, you never have to apologize for making real world connections to Star Wars because I think that's the core of all of this entire fandom. Yeah. This stuff puts a magnifying glass on ourselves in a real special way, I think. Introspection. So, it's yingling time. I've got Miller over here. Well, you know, I since we're be cool. since we're, you know, dealing with a book about, you know, prophecies and the chosen one, I figured, you know, for Anakin, I'd kill a few yinglings what the hell you've been thinking about that all day <laughs> yeah how long how long have you been working on that one that was good i'm not taking away from it that was really good did it just hit you no no you're lying so how long you've been thinking about it? <laughs> uh, probably since i picked up the uh the tall boys at the gas station on the way home today well good job so not all day <laughs> So, can I ask a question about um, the Phantom Menace? How old was Anakin when he was brought in? Eight, nine? Nine. 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 Well, that's how old the actor was. Nine turned ten by the time he got to the council. Okay. okay. So, Rail Avaros was five years old when he was brought in. At that time, he was the oldest right. youngling ever brought in mm. to be trained um, as a Jedi, which is still not very old, <laughs> honestly. Like No. It just, it, I don't know. It doesn't sit easy with me thinking about the Jedi taking babies and like reading that Vader comic and Darth Vader taking that baby and giving it, you know, just, just they're, they're stealing. That was rough, wasn't it? They're stealing children. Yeah. And I don't want to spoil that one for people who haven't read those, <laughs> but um, they're stealing children. And sometimes mm. like it, yeah, people give them willingly, but it's not like they feel like they have a choice. I'm, I guess I've never seen that choice. Has anyone ever told the Jedi council or the Jedi representatives who've come to pick up this force sensitive child? No, we are going to keep this child and let him live a layman's life. Right. Like I feel like someone mm -hmm. has had to have say that have had to have said it. Um, some people have to feel that way. Yeah. And that's why they keep a list of Force-sensitive children? Or do they just keep the list because those are the ones that are too young to bring in yet? Or those are the ones that are... They keep a list of the ones that are old, too old to bring in to the temple? Like a category of mischances? Or yeah. Or a list of people to keep an eye on because mm. doesn't Yoda go on to say that uh, an untrained Jedi is a very dangerous thing. Yes. Yeah. They, they keep an eye on people who are too old to train, um, but they collect all the ones under the age of, of four to train and steal them from their parents. It's just, 
the more I read Star Wars canon, the more I think about how the Jedi Council and the whole Jedi Order is just not, just doesn't sit well with me. Yeah. It was bound to go down. Like it was, it was on its way to destruction. A thousand years was a long time for this thing to keep rolling. Speaking of um, the downfall of the Jedi and, and things that got us there and younglings in comparison to this, mm-hmm. um, Qui-Gon actually said that he thought Kenobi was sheltered and he questioned whether or not that had to do with where younglings are brought up. Right. Why raise their younglings in one of the richest planets of all Coruscant? Yeah. Why not? bring them up somewhere to where they can learn to uh, appreciate the small things in life instead of expecting riches in a way. Right. Yeah. They're brought up in, in the Jedi. The good uh, life of Coruscant temple. expecting that. Yeah. And Coruscant in the center of the galaxy, the center of attention where they're given everything. I'm assuming like they're not going to just not feed these kids and they're, they have everything they could need and they have as many mentors as they could want, and they have as many friends as they could possibly make, and they're still kept in a kind of a prison because I'm assuming they can't leave the Jedi Temple until they're a certain age. Um, but there's a whole galaxy that they're not seeing until they become Padawans, and then their their viewpoint is already formed. Obi-Wan is already who he is by the time he starts going out on missions um, with Qui-Gon. Hashtag almost Amish. Yeah. Like. They're they're, very sheltered. Yeah. They're raised in their community and they're given their beliefs that are a collective belief throughout the entire community that they brought up in. And not until they're of age are they allowed to venture out of this guarded, gated. For the year. Lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. To see if they want to come back or stay. Right. But it's almost the same thing is. Help! By the time you're 13, 14 years old or 16, you're brainwashed, man. You This is all you've ever known. This is this is truth to you. And then you're slapped in the face with everything that unless, is yeah, reality. Unless you're Anakin or Rael Avaros, and then you already have you know, experiences it. and memories of the rest of the galaxy and attachments to the rest of the galaxy. And then you're told to try to forget them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's rough. Can we talk about Obi Wan? Because he was my favorite. Yes, this whole book. Yeah, like my favorite thing. So my favorite thing about the book was reading everything from Obi Wan's point of view. He was definitely my favorite character, um, and I liked seeing what Qui Gon thought of him. Um, one of my favorite quotes was uh, from early in the book, and <laughs> Qui Gon thinks unusual for Obi Wan, who generally weighed in whether it was appropriate or not. Like, even then, he, at that point when he was younger, he just, he said what he thought all the time. Whether it was an appropriate time to say it, or there was an appropriate thing to say, didn't matter. He said it. Which is kind of really different from older Obi-Wan. And it's just, he's grown up a lot, and he's, he's able to hold back quite a bit. Whereas then he's he's training Anakin, and Anakin says whatever the hell he wants, whenever mm-hmm. he wants, whether it's appropriate or not. And there just seemed to be a lot of similarities between them. Uh, as Padawans. It's interesting, too, um, uh, when you compare that to who he got paired with, yeah, with Qui-Gon, and neither right. one of them could figure out why they were paired with the other. They felt like it was a mispairing. And Obi-Wan they, yeah. grew a lot from that, almost as much as Qui-Gon did. Mm-hmm. 
I was really glad that they uh, really pulled it together in Qui-Gon, like addressed the issue at the end. How like a rebel would need somebody in order for um, Obi-Wan to become a good Jedi. He would have to rebel. How was it? He had to rebel. He was always rebelling as a youngling before he Mm. was a Padawan. And so to rebel against a a rebel. Yep. To rebel against (laughs) a rebellious master, he would have to become more strict to the rules yeah. and that's exactly what happened he, he found that he was paired with a jedi who was also in a his rebel. own way rebellious to the council's teachings and the way of the jedi and he he obi-wan found himself going along with everything <laughs> as a way to, to not be like his master so did we all like rail avaros i did enjoy rail avaros quite a bit um can I share my favorite rail quote? It's yeah. really short. Do it. Eight years Do in a it. palace and the man still dressed like a Drexelian shell digger. <laughs> <laughs> Page 103. <laughs> that about sums up rail. Right? It does. It does. And there's three times that he's been, um, somebody's trying to encounter him and he's like, and rail stubs out another disc stick. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Dude. The only Jedi. And talking about like, um, you know, denying yourself uh, the difference between love and a fling. Yeah. He's like, I make the difference in attachment. Yeah. I don't feel any attachment to that, to that girl, <laughs> but yeah, she's staying the night. <laughs> right. So I'm, I'm still, why, why be celibate? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. It's, it's interesting to get these different points of views. And also he um, was quoted as saying like that he is sure that he's not the only Jedi to live that way. So what does he know? Right. So it just kind of opens up the world a little bit and gives a little more depth to the Jedi council. They're not all the Jedi council. Right. Mm -hmm. They're on the council for a reason. Yeah. (laughs) I thought, I thought he was a great character. Um, I thought I couldn't figure out until I started thinking about what I was going to talk about here, why I thought he was such a flat and like sort of boring character. Like he's not—he's just not very complex. Um, but that's because I'm comparing him to Qui Gon, <laughs> and no one's as complex or dynamic of a character as Qui Gon. Of course, he's going to look flat and uninteresting <laughs> in well, comparison. What made Rail's character interesting to me, I think, was his character flaw, his attachment, mm-hmm. his attachment to his uh, former Padawan, whom we learned yeah. he had to kill. Yeah, because there was whether they call it a slicer dart. That just basically got shot into her forehead and nanotechnology scrambled her brain. Crazy technology. Yeah, she basically got hijacked by a technovirus. Right. Which is just absolutely insane. He um, ended up having this new caretaking position in a way Mm -hmm. um, for the Queen of Pigel. Fanry. Or or the princess. Princess (laughs) Fanry. Um, And his issue was that attachment as well, which distanced him from... The other Jedi. It's a very guardianship role, um, like a father daughter almost. Yeah. Um, were you guys surprised by how the vision turned out? Yeah. We're talking um, about Qui Gon's vision and when everything kind of went down with n- Princess Fanry. No. You were not oh, surprised. Oh, I was surprised by Princess Fanry, but I wasn't surprised that Qui Gon's vision was, you know, it, it was 100% accurate. Oh, no, he no. Hadn't, he hadn't really interpreted it, but yeah, that was exactly what happened. And then Fanry turns out to be crazy. He had no idea. Yeah. 
it was it was probably one of the best mystery books (laughs) the the aspect to this Mm -hmm. it got me yeah so they give the the council gives rail this mission after he has to kill his apprentice go take care of this other girl redeem yourself we know you need something like this and turns out no it wasn't good for him at all and he didn't change in a good way and he just he he hasn't changed he's the same this whole time and he hasn't become a better person and he's fooled by this princess the whole time and then she turns on him and then he feels even more awful and i guess the council didn't really do him a favor with this mission at at all i i kind of saw it coming because every time it mentioned fanry it always talked about her red hair her fiery red hair yeah and they're like the slicer dart came into play and i'm thinking who would know? Because it hit rail hard. He's like, there's only a couple people who'd know this. Well, why would he not tell? She knew who the Padawan was. She related herself. I figured, okay, so it's not. Darren seems more um, extreme patriot. So he would do whatever had to be done. But I figured there would be a mastermind between her, Fanry and Katie. And they kept mentioning how. Um, her hair was always tucked away and it was always put up. But there's, as far as the book progressed, there was always more of it coming out. And I'm like, this girl's going to do oh, something wow. stupid. So the metaphor yeah. was there. Mm-hmm. The pieces were there. That's nice. Yeah, because when she becomes nice. queen, then she, she was nervous about revealing her hair to and everyone. she just let it all go. Or so we thought. And then she did it in, really. in real life as well. Yeah. She revealed her entire true nature at yeah. the same time. Wow, nice connection, Josh. Thank you, Claudia Gray, yeah, for putting thanks. that in there. Yeah. Yes, and, She's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, I didn't catch that either. That's awesome. Yeah. So what do you guys think about us uh, checking out the Comlink chatter uh, that, that's related to the book? Oh, sure. So our first one is from our buddy Johnny Orm. And first of all, buddy, congratulations on your 50th episode. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I just listened to that on the way home today. Got stuck in a traffic jam and got to listen to the whole thing, and it was <laughs> awesome. Congratulations, man. We can't wait to have you back on the show again, and hopefully we can hang out with you again soon and chat. But for now, let's do that. Here's Johnny. He says, hey, Pete, Josh, and Eden, hope all is well. I'm going to be honest. I'm only about two-thirds through Master and Apprentice, but I can honestly say it's phenomenal. Claudia Gray absolutely nailed the characters of Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, And it really gives us a deeper understanding of their relationship. My question for you three, though, have you listened to Dooku, Jedi Lost yet? It's a brilliant companion piece to this book, including a crossover of sorts with one of the new characters well worth a listen. Cheers, Johnny. And be sure to check out the My Star Wars Life Debt uh, podcast and blog at mystarwarslifedebt.tk. So, who here has read Dooku, Jedi Lost? Or listened to, it's not a book. (laughs) I have not. Josh, what do you think about what he said? Is it a good uh, companion piece? Okay, so Master and Apprentice, a standalone book, is freaking amazing. It's really, 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 really good. Uh, Dooku Jedi Lost, standalone. Also, uh, very, very good. Uh, Kevin Scott, phenomenal work. Um, The cast, it's like the all-star cast, man. There's Mark Thompson. There's um, uh, January... uh, Lavoy, 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 um, and Jonathan Davis. Uh, there's like, I think seven, maybe or more, at least, possibly more. Yeah, nice. So there's so many great narrators and voice actors and everybody in this production. Um, the Dooku voice is going to throw you off because it's it's not 
at all. Isn't he younger though in this? Um, he's he's much younger. Okay, because Qui Gon's. They're still an older Dooku. Okay, I mean it's not, but it it, okay. it, it it flows from young du- Dooku yeah. to. You can pick him out. It just it takes some time. Multiple timelines. It's funny that we didn't talk about Dooku at all yet because he he's also very important as, um, a failed Jedi. Not necessarily a failed Jedi, but a Jedi leaf that's flown far from the tree so and what? ends up being the uh, the master of Qui Gon. Yes. Yeah. How how are the they together? Since you're the only one that's had consumed both of the. Books. There's no other way that you should do it. <laughs> Yeah. Together, they're. It, it's like having a forty chapter book. Master and Apprentice took up thirty five. But what's the most important part of a story is the ending, right? So you get you get so much in Dooku Lost that uh, complements Master and Apprentice that without it, you're almost jipping yourself. I mean, you're you're cheating yourself a great experience. Well, the good news is, is that we own it. Yep. And we're going to yeah, be yeah. getting on that soon. So hopefully you guys um, are enthused to check it out now as well. And we can talk about it in the future. Okay. So we got one more voicemail from our buddy, Anthony. How do? How do, Rural Farm Boy? How do, Pete, Josh? Yep. It's Rural Farm Boy, Anthony. So we're talking Master and Apprentice this week. All right. Wow, Claudia Gray, three for three. Love this story. And I only give it a listen once because I can't, I keep getting in my own way with my podcast playlist. I can't put it down because there's so damn many other good shows going to listen to through a day or a week. But some of my thoughts, um, some of my favorite things was the little things that Claudia went and pulled back in and spread them out all through the story. And I didn't go and list them, and maybe I should have. But a couple are new species or new new variety of Rackdoll. And we get to learn oh, yeah. just how come Obi-Wan mm-hmm. gets to being really good at riding them. And we also maybe get to learn why... He used to really like flying and maybe why he might not so much. I loved that. Yeah. I loved it. Later on. Uh, that there Xerxes Corporation. I think that was, was that in, trying to remember now, was that in the Catalyst? Maybe it weren't. Ooh, uh, what but then there's the heavy hitters that done, she told us about. Yeah, them prophecies. And I think they was, she put them in and, and wrote them in such a way for us to kind of, I look at it like how in our modern day world, how religions looked at. Everybody's got different thoughts and opinions on it. There ain't just mm. one way of thinking about it. I think that's what she <laughs> was kind of aiming for when she talked about these, well, when the story told about these prophecies. Like one of them is, let me look and see here. When the righteous shall lose the light, evil once dead shall return. So that put me to thinking, because I ain't much of one for speculating, because then if I don't go and do that, whatever next story's coming, I can't be let down. I don't have the theories 
about. But this, like I said, put me to think is, yeah, we seen that once. Yeah. Phantom Menace. When we was told that the Jedi Council thought that the Sith had been done gone for a millennium. And then, well, no, they weren't. But then we were just told, what, just about a month ago in that teaser trailer. I'm going to read that prophecy one more time. When the righteous lose their light, evil once dead shall return. What happened at the end of that teaser trailer? And history does, it repeats itself in our real world. And maybe it should also in a fantasy story. So what do you think about that? And I'm looking forward to what other folks got input to your show. And I hope they broke your inbox. So I'll wait till Saturday after Blue Harvest. You can follow up and see what you see what see what's all on the show. So till Saturday. May the force be with you both, Pete, Josh, Miss Eden, if you're there, and every other listener of Jam Transmissions. See you on the radio. Thanks, Anthony. Appreciate that. So I just noticed your hat. I like your hat. Oh, yeah. 20th anniversary. That's awesome. Got this as celebration. Yeah. Just to celebrate that wonderful panel. Dude, it, it, it's throwing me off. I'm used to your... It's a black hat, so I'm like, this has got to be your celebration hat. Yeah, I always wear... really paid attention <laughs> I always wear a black and a red one. hat, and it's always been the Star Wars Orlando celebration hat while we uh, record. But yeah, Anthony, like while you're listening to this, I will have just finished listening to Blue Harvest as well. I'm going to be doing some yard work and going to have it in my earbuds too, man. So I hope you're having a good Saturday when you're listening to this. So he brought up a prophecy. Who wants to tackle that one first? It says, uh, when the righteous lose their light, evil once dead shall return. So these um, very arrogant and self-absorbed and I am the way the truth and the light Jedi of the council. Yep. They were on top of, uh, well, one, we know that they're on top of a old Sith temple and that's where they built the Jedi temple. Yeah. Um, their ability to use the force and kind of convene with it has been diminished, which makes sense. Qui-Gon didn't spend a lot of time there. He was out doing other things and moving around and stuff, but a lot of the masters and a lot of the council members, spent most all of their days at the temple. So I guess that would allow it to radiate through them more, but they did, they became more of a police force. And it's mentioned in the book about how they're, um, so they're doing the interview, right? They're asking, they're given the invitation, the invitation to Qui-Gon and they're telling him his attributes. He's able to kind of see things outside the box or whatever. And he's like, um, does that make me more suited for diplomacy as he interrupts Mace Windu? And he was going to say, no, I was going to say balance, but Qui-Gon already knew. And since he's outside of the council can see in what direction that they're going, they became so political and so um, 
mindful of what the Republic and the Senate wanted them to do, that they were more of a police force than they were the Jedi. So, right. They became a, a major political entity, so which what, is not how they started out. Exactly. And they lost their light. And what son of a bitch came in? The politician. I was expecting your laugh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> up <Uproot. laughs> Is that the it's so wanted? loud? <laughs> I was ex- no, I was expecting a not a uh, public masturbator, but I was expecting the devastation of. You were Chief expecting Titus from Final Fantasy X. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yuna, make me. What is going on right now? <laughs> what's, so you, in, what's in your beer? Are you going to do a Palpatine laugh or what? No, just just what else you got? Crusty <laughs> <laughs> the Clown. Okay, so you're obviously talking about Palpatine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't specify. Yeah, I know. You said you, do the laugh. So you've, you've done a Palpatine laugh in like the last three episodes. So I just figured. This man, was... we need we need to let the past die and kill it if we have to. Man, it's, <laughs> well, keep with it these fresh. laughs, I'm working on it. So, so much. <laughs> After this episode, my favorite, like my favorite new Star Wars quote: "Kill it, we have to." Yeah. So uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, I think this is a good time for us to go ahead and start talking about the prophecies then. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. Well, I mean, another thing, uh, Anthony said, history repeats uh, itself in real life. Why not in the galaxy far, far away? Yeah. And like we've touched on several times before, it's it's that magnifying lens into our own life, too. So why not? Touches it. We've even talked with them a little bit about the mythology in our real lives and how it, you know, impacts us. And this is just a modern day futuristic mythology. My uh, my favorite little prophecy, um, because there were so many, and some were lengthy, and some were short, and some we got more of, some we got less of. My favorite was, he who learns to conquer death will, through his greatest student, live again. Because who is that? It could be so many people. I think yeah. that's also pretty relative to the one RFB pointed out, too. Yeah. So, okay, let's let's go ahead and tackle that one. It could mean Palpatine. Yeah. I think that's probably the most popular obvious um way to look at this one Mm. through his greatest student that's no other than anakin skywalker right Mm. so this one actually really ties into last episode for sure well yeah but but it also ties into the chosen one prophecy yes because the key word to me and then we'll jump back to this but the key word to me is through through his greatest student. Mm-hmm. And the last one um, is, it's a chosen one shall come, born of no father, and through him, ultimate balance in the force be restored. But then, this this is how I've always felt about the prophecies and the chosen one. And I think Rail said this, um, but I am not totally for sure. Oh, wait, I'm able to go back to see. Yes, he did. Oh, cool. Um, he said, let's say I believe that someday there's going to be perfect balance in the force thanks to some kind of chosen one. Did you ever really think about what that would mean, Qui-Gon? It would mean the darkness would be just as strong as the light. Right. So there's there's another point of view on balance. Yeah. Yes. And Ch- Anakin did bring 
balance. He brought the dark to be as strong as the light. Right. And then, a prophecy misread by not just the Jedi Council, yes. but all of us back then. Yeah, that's what I. That's 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 it. So let's look it at it. It was so There's, cool to see that, like right in print in front of me in a book. <laughs> as far as rails concerned, you have Snoke and Kylo. Then you've got living, as far as what we know, is Ray and Luke. So it's two and two. They're mm-hmm. they're perfectly balanced. Vader and Palpatine, Luke and Yoda, mm-hmm. a master and apprentice. They're perfectly balanced again in the original trilogy. Um, they're kind of working this way. And I know that we, later on we got more canon material and that Ahsoka is out here somewhere and there's oh, yeah. obviously and Ezra's lost. Snoke is gone and, Kanan. and Luke yeah. is gone. No, but, with, uh, well, yeah, later on, but. Yeah, and the, yeah, because in The Force Awakens, there's Snoke and Kylo, and then she finds Luke mm-hmm. and Rey, and now it's just Kylo and just Rey, and their masters are gone. Yeah. So, so now again. what? So yeah, about the balance, yes. Mm-hmm. I see where you're getting with that. Like a figurative, literal balance. But the point I was trying to make was about through. Yes. So through him ultimate balance in the force will be restored the chosen one that does not necessarily mean that anakin himself will balance the force it means Mm -hmm. that through him it will be restored he who learns to conquer death shall through his greatest student live again now coming back to that one who comes through anakin skywalker leia Mm -hmm. ben solo so like she who will be born into darkness will give birth to darkness. Right. Yeah. So Leia obviously is where I'm pointing with that one and Ben. And gives birth to Ben. Yeah. The darkness. And I think that all these are kind of interconnected mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah, they seem. Right. And they can apply to multiple generations of mm-hmm. usually Skywalkers. And I've really enjoyed all of our previous conversations about who is the chosen one. We've also like theorized that it was like a, a, a wheel. A thing, yeah. A wheel like. One time it was Anakin, next right. it was Luke, maybe uh-huh. now it's Rey. Uh-huh. But I think that what they're trying to do here is show that it has always been Anakin and always will be Anakin yeah. because of the way this is worded. Through him, ultimate balance in the Force will be restored. And then when you end the Skywalker saga, will there, the prophecy is finished. Will there be balance at the very end? Or will there be... It will be restored, chaos. but will it be maintained? Yeah. That's and doubtful. That's for another trilogy to show us, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so what else we got? The um, only through sacrifice of many Jedi will the Order cleanse the sin done to the nameless. I like this one a lot. So, dude, that could be through Who are the nameless hard work. That could be um, through giving of uh, deeds or monetary, or it could be the the literal literal sense their death through right. the actual literal sacrifice of. Killing many, many Jedi. Exactly. And I took that literal yeah. um, as Order 66. I did too. And the nameless, of course. Would be the Sith. Yeah. Is that what you got out yeah. of it? Because oh. at first, the first time I read it, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of these. It's uh, The nameless could also mean the clones. Let's see. Well, they were used. The the sin was done to the clones, you know? Yeah. Manipulating. Okay, so like, and we've been tying religion into this. Mm -hmm. Um, People 
that are religious monotheistic in a way mm-hmm. may not like the idea of stem cell research and cloning and such because it's not natural. Yeah. And cloning. God given. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's, you could look at it that way, a sin to those nameless. And you know what? They weren't named. Yeah. And there they were, they were so numbered. Many of them. That's a good, that's so a good many. other point of view there, Eden. The, um, like the rest of that particular prophecy goes on to say when the force itself sickens past and future must split and combine and now, then a this, chosen one shall come what does that mean this this one is is interesting i think this is the one that's going to tie into episode nine the rise yeah. of skywalker because you're gonna end the entire saga so you got to look to the past and to the future kill it if you have to is the future <laughs> the sequel trilogy or is the future what's to come past the sequel trilogy? Right. It's interesting. And prophecy is up for debate always. I'm just glad that we actually have them. Do you remember that when we were talking with shadow clone about this? Yeah. We said, who came up with a prophecy? Now we know that it's actually Jedi who got visions Uh and then eventually through the force. Yeah. So I want to talk about that one when the force itself sickens. The future must split. The past and future must split and combine. So do we have, who's the future in this point as far as the past also? Would it be? It depends on when the force sickens. But it says the force sickens. A chosen one shall come born of no father. So the. The force sickens before before the the Clone Wars. Yeah. Mm hmm. And and I, b- before episode one. So yes. that's when the Kyber that is not Kyber shines forth. The time of prophecy will be at hand. I think this is the precursor to when the force itself sickens. Like I think as far as it, like a numerical order, that should be one and two. Because at this point we have the Kyber that is not Kyber. And then you've got a chasm that has started to form between Qui-Gon and the council. Um, before that, you see that he is very reverent of the council and what they are. Even it says that he's made of sterner stuff, but other Jedi would have been more um, prideful. So he, he's got this esteem as far as the council. And now he's neglected or not neglected. He's refused his spot. He's said, no, he's rejected his spot on the council and he's chosen to let the force work through him and train his Padawan, which we see later has caused a rift between the council members and Qui-Gon yet again. And through letting the force work through him, there is a rift that forms when he picks up Anakin. So at the end of this book, before the after part, I think is about the right amount of time for Anakin to have been formed. So there's, there's uh, Obi-Wan was with 17. Mm, yes yes yeah he would have been the first 17 year old padawan to get a new master that's yep. correct so yeah that's and that's what i was thinking is anakin's probably on his way by now mm-hmm. he's either like being formed or has already started his first year of life because obi-wan was 20 something so uh, we can connect this to this book and yeah. to this prophecy going back to that when the kyber that is not kyber shines forth the time of the prophecy will be at hand that mm-hmm. actually happened in the book. Yeah. When he had the, were they called Kohler crystals? Kohler crystals. They, um, Fanry had it switched out mm-hmm. in Obi-Wan's lightsaber. 
and it was a kyber crystal that it, wasn't a kyber crystal that shone, shone forth and it was orange yeah. it was different so that could be a literal moment of prophecy coming yeah. true and then the chosen one might start being formed in shmi yeah and i think without those events without obi-wan being in the perilous uh situation that he was in and Qui-Gon having that vision and being able to say, Hey, I need to protect my Padawan. And then like there was, there was a bonding. And that was his first vision. That was his first force vision. Mm-hmm. And it, it made Qui-Gon believe so much more seriously in the prophecies. And then it, yeah, like you're saying it connected Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon. Yeah, very much. I don't think had Obi-Wan not been there and that um, had they, like he said, had the vision not ta- had taken place, but had they been switched places, right? Things would have worked out totally differently. Mm-hmm. And I think all this is, is as the force wills it. Exactly. But I think this is the starting point of all of these. Do Such you th- an amazing book. Do you think any of these prophecies are in the books that Ray is now in uh, ownership Probably. of? They're old as hell, so yeah, probably. Yeah. More than likely. Yeah, because these prophecies were being looked up um, when when Obi-Wan was on um, library duty mm-hmm. with, um, what is her name? Jocasta. Jocasta New. With, with Jocasta New. Um, Page turners, they were not. Page turners, they were not. Yeah. <laughs> 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 nice. Um, there are a couple other prophecies that we haven't hit. Uh, man, I'm going to be honest with you. Like mm-hmm. uh, about the, when the force itself sickens past and future must split and combine. I really don't think that I can come up with a legit answer. Like that's one I'm going to have to mull over. And yeah. I feel like it's going to change as rise of Skywalker comes out. Yeah. What if at this time, like six or 12 months from now, it comes up again and we think, Oh, this could totally be what that was referring to. And then we know about it because of something else that came yeah. out in the movie or in a series or in who knows what, like uh, it's Star tied, Wars. As far as word count, it's tied for the shortest with uh she who will be born is the same word count as when the force sickens. So it's, the, it's obviously tied for the shortest prophecy that we got in the book, but I think it's probably the heaviest of all of them. Well, let's, Try to tackle it just one last time, I guess. Let's say the force itself sickens mm-hmm. when there is imbalance. We'll call it yeah. when there's imbalance. And that is at the climax right before it changes. Mm-hmm. Well, the force sickens because the Jedi aren't a- Because the light to- is vastly overpowering the dark. Well, maybe. It depends. Because- but they're losing their way, too, at the same time. Right. Mm-hmm. This prophecy would only take place in... Um, a parallel to other prophecies like um, the one when the order, when the Jedi lose their way prophecy that okay. the Sith come through. I think that's the sickening point. I think that prophecy was telling you at that's what, what point thought. it sickens itself. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is another one of those damn sentences. That's going to keep me up all night. <laughs> um, there's another one. And this, Good. this one is obvious. Uh, one will ascend to the highest of the Jedi, despite the foreboding of those who would serve with them. Qui-Gon. Yeah or no? What do you think from it? Anakin. 
Because he becomes a master despite everything that well, everyone he's, said about him. Like even even Obi Wan told him in Revenge of the Sith, you've become a stronger Jedi than I could ever hope to become. So there's that. He the highest of the Jedi, mm-hmm. despite the foreboding of those who would serve with him. The Jedi Council, Mace yeah. Windu, I don't trust him. Yeah. That's what I got out of it. Tell me, tell me more about how you connected Qui-Gon to that. So going through um Mace Windu is an extremely powerful Jedi. You've got Keanu Mundi, who was uh, very wise as far as uh, skepticism and being able to relate to living beings and everything. Uh, Yoda, 900 years, you know, keep my counsel alive. Um, they're very great Jedi, but they never really truly included Qui-Gon. One will ascend to the highest of the Jedi. What is the most highest plane that a Jedi Ooh. can be on is more and at Qui-Gon one with the Force. And Qui-Gon was the first one to do it. Exactly. The he one that influenced more. Yoda. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe like not the that. first Jedi, but the first one in this era of Jedi mm-hmm. to become one with the Force that way, to oh, ascend man. that way. This has ended up See, this is a really good guys, conversation. Have you guys read the chapter in the Delray Sampler? No. Eden, Eden tell the listeners about this because the people uh, that didn't go to Celebration may not know about this. I don't know where else you can find this chapter, but there is um, there's a, a sampler book by Delray that you could get at the booth at Celebration. You had to take their uh, Jedi reader book Jedi quiz thing, which was pretty cool. Um Yes, very and cool. It, I was a Sith reader, of course. It suggests what books, based on your personality, that you would enjoy more, yes, based you on were the quiz. A rebel reader. Yes, I was. I was a Sith reader. Um, cool. So in that book, there is a chapter, a, not a chapter, but a section, and it, it's it, there are sections from different books, uh, Alphabet Squadron, yeah, a bunch of other books that are already out, um, and there's a Master and Apprentice chapter, and it's not a chapter that's in the book. It's an entirely new chapter. And it's about what we were just talking about with Qui-Gon and ascending. And it's, I think it's, it's my favorite part of this book. Like if, if I had to pick a favorite section of this book, that would be it. It's the part that's not in it. Yes. (laughs) But it's part of the story. I don't know why it's incredible. Yeah, that's that's yeah, we should we should dig in on that and try and find out. And if anybody listening to this knows the reason, let us know. Or where you if you can find it online. I know it was not in the uh, teasers that they they posted. Mm-hmm. It was not in the samples. Um, and if anybody has links to it online, I mean, it's it's a sampler book. So we'll definitely it, share it. Yeah, we, we've got to share it. So there's one prophecy left in this book. And honestly, it's just left me shook. The danger part? The danger. The danger of the past is not past, but sleeps in an egg. When the egg cracks, it will threaten the galaxy entire. What does it mean? Yeah. Any thoughts, Josh? Could it be Anakin? I is, mean, is could Anakin it, could it be in like, an egg? Well, yeah, Anakin is kind of an egg. Well, let's look at the, the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. The danger of the past is not past. So that means that the threat is ever-present. They think right? the, the Sith are extinguished, but they're not. Right. Okay. But sleeps in an egg. Mm-hmm. Which is Anakin and Shimi's womb. 
Or maybe maybe it actually does mean the Sith and like the egg, they're hidden. Yeah. The rule of two, and then, they're and they just keep going, yeah, and then so all of a sudden the egg cracks and it threatens the galaxy entire. Mm-hmm. That's so it's simple, but yeah, but simple. but haven't we haven't we found multiple viewpoints on all of these so far? Oh yeah. I think that there is a deeper one that we haven't touched yet. Um, as far as Anakin, when the egg cracks, it will threaten the galaxy entire. It's his coming into the world. He was created, right? He was not conceived. Or through... it's when he has grown and then right. is, he cracks and. As far as his mental state. Yes. Mm-hmm. And but, becomes Vader. But what if it is re- relative to he who learns to conquer death shall through his greatest student live again? What if we got old Sheev just sitting in an egg somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> a little egg. <laughs> I don't know, man. Honestly, this That's- one to me, I feel like the simplest answer is probably the least likely. Mm-hmm. Which would be? Which one? Well, we get three that were all pretty kind of um, straightforward. That, the it's, Sith, that, that it's the Sith. The Sith yeah. rising again. Or that it's the threat of Anakin because Anakin b- became Sith. Mm. Sith apprentice. I don't know. I think that the danger of the past is not past. So they at this time, the Council, the Jedi believe that the Sith are dead. And there's no way, like even at the very end of the book, when Obi-Wan's talking to Padme and kind of talking to himself, this is a fate that should have befallen no Jedi being killed by a Sith ever again. Like that was, they yes. were done and the council believed and they were so hardened to the fact that there could never be another Sith. They, so we talked about all these, uh, these younglings that they're keeping an eye on, right? If you're going to keep an eye on people and you're going to have tabs and you're like this data bank of names and planets where all these force sensitive children are found that you didn't get to take into your council or your, uh, your order. Who's to say that um, an untrained Jedi would not become a Sith. The texts are out there. The artifacts are out there and that's not in this book, but we need to do Dooku. And I think it's going to explain more about what I'm going <laughs> to talk about, but who knows? Maybe it's in that um, upcoming book force collector. It could be by Kevin Shinnick. So the eggs I mean, in that book, the eggs there. So he's got he he's got the, the stormtrooper. He he, he collects the lightsaber. <laughs> Maybe he's got the egg. Okay, I've got one more question. Let's hear it before we wrap this up. Anakin's lightsaber's egg. And also, I don't think it's an actual egg. Just just disclaimer. No, no, no. Yeah. All right. So, what's your question? Um, who's Darth Rend? Rend? Yeah. Who the hell is Darth Rend? Mm, I didn't bother. Is that something that, that I missed? What? So. There's a section where Qui-Gon is thinking about how his younger self thought about the prophecies. And he thinks, why do I keep thinking that that the prophecies are that? Why do I keep thinking that they talk about something that will happen in my future when they could be, these prophecies were written down thousands, tens of thousands of years ago. And so they could have already happened. You know, this could be this dark Jedi. This prophecy could have referred to that. And then he wonders whether this one prophecy about the Sith coming back might have been referring to a specific Sith, a legendary Darth Rend, who had been believed dead but had returned to wage war against the Jedi once more. Oh, as a... um, (laughs) Who is that? And when did that happen? And when are we getting that movie? 72,837 ABY is his death date. Um... From so it was recent to five hundred and seven thousand nine forty eight ABY. 
What? So it's. Is this is this from Legends? Are you looking at Wikipedia? <laughs> no, this is um, this is now. This is what they know about him. Based on this book, who is they? He's only in this book. Uh, the fandom, the Wikipedia thing. Okay, so this is canon. His Wikipedia article is only what we know from well, this book. It's canon. Well, Wikipedia has legends and canon. Is it right? I, it I does. Need, I need specific. And is I'm there sorry. anything else about him in there from legends? Is is does his name come up somewhere else? I think there are some articles that that speculate that maybe they were referring to this character in this legends comic or this character in this game, but I never heard or read any of those things. So man. He's also in Who is Ren? Role player games. Hmm. But that's the legends. A mystery. Well, well, while, while, while he's looking this up, I also want to touch on another thing from RFB's voicemail. And uh, he mentioned the Circa Corporation. And it made me think of it when you said we're talking about games and stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if this was in any books before the Knights of the Old Republic, but the Circa Corporation was uh, the, a mining corporation and also a technology like developer mm-hmm. in that game on the, the first Xbox and it was very prevalent, and they were I knew, known. I yeah. They they were they were also uh, allied with the Sith, and more or less just kind of looked upon as um, they had no morals. They would just basically do whatever for the money. They helped do the cloning, didn't they? I don't know about that. Were Were they in the? I can't. Edge of I the can't Empire remember role playing game. As well, I wonder if they're in. You that see, too. these are all things I just I just can't remember, huh. but I do remember Circa being a yeah. big part of Knights of the Old Republic. So bringing so that awesome. in, it also gives me a little bit more hope mm-hmm. that maybe uh, that Benioff and Weiss is going to be Old Republic stuff. Yeah, yeah every time it's they time bring, to reach deep. Yep, every time they bring more Old Republic stuff into the new let's canon, not kill that past. It's cool. <laughs> so what's been gathered is Darth Rand was a Sith ruler. 70 some or a hundred thousand some years ago. Um, he lost so many wars that he was killed on Coruscant. And that's, that's it. His followers killed him, but then he rose again to fight the Jedi once more. Very interesting. Because they thought he was dead. Um, but that's all we know. And it's just, just in this book, but it, she just name drops it. So subtly like this, we only know how many Sith names we know. Bane? Maybe. Revan. As far as canon? Canon. Canon Sith names. Revan is now canon. Yep. Um, Bane. Bane. Sidious. Vader. Plagueis. And Rand. Momin. Momin. Did they canonize Plagueis' master yet? I don't think so. I don't even know if we can count Momin. Because he wasn't a... He was a Sith. He... But he wasn't Darth Momin. And he wasn't a master. He was a Sith Lord, though. Momin, right? Is that what we're talking about? Because I checked out there for a minute. Okay, that's a discussion for another time. But less than 10? The uh, Less than 7 Sith names? The Void. We didn't get a name, but we do get the identity of that being the voice that Ezra heard in Malachor, the big whatever the hell that was. The Pyramid when, yes. Super Weapon. That was the Sith Lord. It was and explained later on who it was, but so I don't about ten. Who. Yeah, ten's good. Ten's a good number. Ten-ish. She just name drops another one like it's no big deal. That's a big deal to me. Appreciate that, Claudia. I mean, how mm-hmm. many how many Jedi do we know? Like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Too many. 
<laughs> that that's execute. So I feel like we've really covered this book pretty pretty good so mm-hmm. far, but also like I feel like we haven't. Are there any final thoughts that you wanted to cover before we come to a close on the episode? Oh, we don't want to talk about Obi Wan's fear of flying. Let's do it. Okay, that was kind of fun. Done. You're done talking about no, it? No, I'm not done. I'm just doing what I did It's earlier. just so wonderful how he, there are all these quotes in in the prequels about how much he hates flying. And she took our love of the prequels and put so much of it in this book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I think would have been hard not to do with the two characters that you've, you've been given. Um, they're obviously episode one heavy characters because Qui-Gon's not anything else. Um, till Clone Wars, but he, in the very first few chapters of the book, we get a little insight on Obi-Wan. He loves flying. Of course, he, I wouldn't want to make you fly all the way there. And Obi-Wan's like, yeah, okay, whatever. I would love it. And he has this affinity for flying until he's having to fly Starfighter down the twisting, snaking corridors of, of an actual ship, yeah. an actual spaceship. Like, imagine flying through the quarters of a Star Destroyer. Whew. Like, but Anakin would love that, right? Like, yeah, of course he, he would. He would tell he that story care. forever, and then he would want to always fly forever, and it wouldn't phase him. But Obi-Wan was just done. Because his brush of death was like, <laughs> I can't do that anymore. And he lands it into, like, at the most opportune time on the bridge crashes into the bridge that was funny and he jumps out and <laughs> he, this is he like was pissed about it he was like this is not what i wanted to be doing with my day <laughs> would you believe that i did this on purpose <laughs> that is like the first <laughs> section of obi-wan grown-up obi-wan that yeah. we got yeah yeah i don't think you would believe i did this on purpose yeah i liked it yeah yeah, yeah you can hear you mcgregor saying it bravo bravo the whole team that made this happen claudia yeah, gray so good yeah, Jonathan Davis for the narration and the Lucasfilm story group that I'm sure had their fingers in this a lot. Mm-hmm. So, we're, let's talk a little bit about the next episode. Uh, we we've have, we had a couple of topics that we wanted to uh, hit, but I think that before it gets completely out of hand, we need to talk a little bit about the Age of Rebellion comics. So, we're going to be talking about that next week. Leia, Tarkin, Han Solo, Boba Fett, and the Age of Republics. Special Rage, yeah. Age of Rebellion. See, I did it. I knew I'd do it. Age <laughs> of Rebellion special. Awesome. So, so yeah, look forward to that. And hopefully you guys can uh, send us a little bit of insight on your opinions and thoughts on those. And yeah, talking to everybody that's read them so far, like, and by that, I mean you and the guy I buy them from. <laughs> it's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be coming out uh, Friday or Saturday. That's going to be the 17th or 18th of May. And following that week, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but it is May and we are closing in on and we are closing in on the one year anniversary of Solo, a Star Wars story. That's May 25th. So we're going to be doing a special episode of that. We also have some really fun, stupid, funny video to pull out from the vault. And you guys will find out about that here real soon. That's going to be on the Jam Transmissions YouTube show. So I just wanted to let you all know you you can get all that comlink chatter into comlink, C-O-M-L-I-N-K at jamtransmissions.com about any of those topics that we have just mentioned or things that you want to hear on the show in the future. Yeah. Suggestions are always open and welcome. Yeah. So Eden, 
You recently went through a rebranding, formerly QDQ Cosplay. Where can people find you on social media now and um, see all your epic cosplay that you got coming up and tell us what you're working <laughs> on next? I am all the same places on social media. I am on Twitter at Eden Jean Gray. And you can find me on Instagram at Eden Gray Cosplay. That's gray with an E. Um, right now, I am working on my next cosplay. It's a Star Wars cosplay. I'm so excited. I'm going to cosplay Niku. <laughs> I just decided to just do it. Just I love Niku so much. I'm going to make it happen. I it's a lot of new things and a lot of um stretchy fabric and a lot of prosthetic stuff that I have absolutely no clue how I'm going to do, but I'm really excited about it. Will it be ready in July? No, sir. Oh, damn. No, sir, not unless someone just drops 500 bucks in my in my bank account cuz you know, it, it, yeah, there's absolutely no way I can afford all that stuff before then. That's really the limiting factor. That's really exciting. I've not seen a single Nikto cosplayer ever. So I'm very excited about that. There are tons of pictures of my Lothwolf cosplay on all of my social media because I had so much fun wearing it. I got so much love at Star Wars Celebration. It was really good. Being a loath wolf. Thanks. So, Josh, where can we find your artwork that typically uh, accompanies releases and prints and stuff with our show? That is at JDRow812 on the Instagram and JoshuaRow24 on Twitterverse. And I am on Twitter at Pete Skeet too, but you can find both Josh and I on all the Jam Transmission social media. On Twitter, we are at JTComLink. On Instagram and Facebook, just at Jam Transmissions. Look for us on YouTube and also on Patreon.com forward slash Jam Transmissions. A huge thanks to all of our patrons. We really appreciate all of your support helping us make things like the full live video with Timothy Zahn happen. That was awesome. Uh, yeah. So check that out on the YouTube and, and maybe just think about giving a buck or so on that. It really helps us out way more than you could imagine. It's more quarter, than I could have ever even imagined. Yeah. Literally a quarter a week. If you give a, f- give a buck, <laughs> if you give a gonk, give you, a, uh, badonkadonk <laughs> worth of money. I'm out. Well, there you (laughs) go. I tell you what, guys, it has been an absolute blast tonight, and it's going to keep me up all night thinking about these goddamn (laughs) prophecies. But we'll close out now. Eden, Josh, may the force be with you. And with all of you. Always. At the end of this book, edit that out. So at the end of Blooper this reel, yeah, no kid. Burp. Just um, making sure this lady out here gets a bag for her dog pooping in your grass. She's got a bag. We're good. Does she have a beagle? No, it's a pit. Pretty little black pit. It's gonna need a big bag. She's got a huge bag. <laughs> Shut up! Yeah, Ruby, you need to stop. You can't come in. Go lay down. Go. That's, that's got to be in the editing. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs>
me yelling at my dog. Yeah, we haven't uh, we haven't had a good bloopers. <laughs> yeah, let's keep that up. Those were good. I'm yeah. missing. Yuna, make me. What is going on right now? <laughs> <laughs>